Welcome to The Well Woman Show. Each episode is a transformational journey using mindfulness, feminism, leadership, and strategy to support you to thrive personally, generate wealth, and impact your community. I know that to be my greatest strength is being able to bring folks across difference, across difference in opinion, across geography, across class, across um, political party, to really um, come together and find out how do we be, be more effective, more efficient with our policies. And now, here's your host, feminist thought leader, London School of Economics grad, leadership consultant, and transformational coach, Giovanna Rossi. On the Well Woman Show this week, they talked to Commissioner-elect Adrienne Barboa in Bernalillo's County District 3. Adrienne currently serves as the policy director at Forward Together, where she works with families and communities across the state of New Mexico to bring about a culture shift and policies centered on the lived experiences of everyday New Mexicans. Adrienne is a connector, an organizer, a trainer, and loves to spend her time with families and communities working toward building the world we all want to live in. Adrienne brings 20 plus years experience in the direct service and social justice sectors, working primarily on issues of gender, reproductive, anti-violence, education, and criminal justice in indigenous and communities of color. Today, we discuss how Adrienne hopes to bring diverse stakeholders to the table working across party lines and connecting people, and why it's important for women to work together for change. Before I bring Adrienne on for our interview, I want to let you know about a special series on The Well Woman Show that showcases conversations with Black, Indigenous, and women of color colleagues and friends, and together we explore anti-racism and racial justice, and what it means not only in the big picture, but how our daily lives are impacted, what we're reading, what we're doing, and where we go from here. This special series on anti-racism is part of the Podcasters for Justice campaign. We are podcasters united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many, many others at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception. And we're committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that Black lives matter. We believe that Black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witnesses to it. In creating digital media, we have built audiences that return week after week to hear our voices and will use our voices to speak against anti-Blackness and police brutality. And we encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. You can find all the past episodes of The Well Woman Show featuring Black, Indigenous, and women of color at wellwomanlife.com slash womenofcolor. Also, there's a list of resources at wellwomanlife.com dot com slash anti-racism. All the information shared today can be found at the show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash radio. You can also continue the conversation in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico and High Desert Yoga in Albuquerque. I'm speaking with Adrienne Barboa today. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. I want to ask you just who are you in the world today? Like all of these titles and important things that you do um, and all of your identities, like who are you in the world today? Thank you so much. And thanks again for having me on today. I, um, yes, I'm 
Adrienne Barboa, I'm first of all, I'd like to always say I'm a mother of two. I'm, I'm a, I was um, actually a young parent, as many refer to as a teen mom. I had my son when I was 19 and my daughter when I was just 24. And I was a single parent and I am a single parent and have um, raised my kids alone here. I also am a lifelong multi-generational resident Bernalillo County. My um, family has been here um, here in Bernalillo County um, for multiple generations. And um, I actually live in, which I think I say this point a lot because it makes um, it makes me a bit of a different case. I actually live in the home that I grew up in here in Southeast Albuquerque. And while that's definitely a story of many New Mexicans hold I don't know that it's what a lot of our elected officials hold. So um, being in this um, position where I get to both have a neighborhood experience growing up as a kid in the same house in the same neighborhood to um, living here my whole entire life and now getting to represent that the same district, um, seeing all of our history and features and promises and development over time. And, you know, because of the world and the work, and I would say because of the encouragement of my father and mother that um, we're both working class. My father was a welder, my mom a factory worker, that um, this work to sort of work towards um, a better New Mexico, a better Bernalillo County where um, families and communities are recognized and we have equity and fair um, fairness across all spectrums is the what has led me to do the work I get to do and as currently as a policy director but a forever community organizer where I get to work directly with community on issues and that impact their lives and every day and to really try and um, build a movement and the momentum where community um, and those most impacted are directly involved in shaping policies and practices for our state and our governments to better be meeting the needs of our families and communities. I get to work year round, which is my absolute favorite thing, um, building policy that is directly has the voices of community members and people most impacted by what those policies would do. Yeah, so I think that's a great way to start the conversation here. You really center community voices in your work. And so it, I, I don't see your work in the community, like in your, you know, so-called paid job. I don't see that as very different from what you want to do in your elected office as commissioner. And, and so how do you think you can bring that into a system and a, an office that hasn't, hasn't maybe been doing that so much? Yeah, thank you for this question, because I feel it's my biggest strength. And, um, you know, and I also feel like um, that right now, COVID and the unprecedented times that we are facing um, actually lend to even greater opportunity for that. Um, I think even before, you know, this pandemic hit us that I know that to be my greatest strength is being able to bring folks across difference, across difference in opinion, across geography, across class, across um, political party, to really um, come together and find out how do we be be more effective, more efficient with our policies? Where do we find 
ground and really meet our communities and uh, all our communities where they're at to create um, policies that actually serve and don't do harm to any of our communities. And so um, I already felt I could um, was excited about jumping into that work and bringing my skill and strengths into that um, to bring to build across those differences. Um, and I think this um, pandemic has created an even greater opportunity where we can so many of the inequities that we face that our communities face all the time have now come into very plain sight where we see, um, you know, the where we can see the impacts on communities of color, on um, low-income families in an even greater light than what we've seen before. And and to prioritize those essential workers, people who I say that, um, you know, have the real knowledge and insight on how to really get rid of some of those things that that aren't serving us as well, whether it's bureaucracies or practices that haven't been working for a long time. Um, I really see working with those most impacted get us to the solutions that benefit all of us. Yes, it's a it's a bit of a different role because um, now I could call on the resources um, of the government and of of the that the office holds um, to really make sure we're bringing those voices. And you often hear elected officials talk about bringing stakeholders to the table. Well, oftentimes that's just like heads of departments or heads of businesses or the heads of commerce, right? But I'm how I'm interested. Yes, and continuing conversations with those stakeholders, but also considering our community members and people impacted by the policies as important stakeholders that should be at every conversation as well. And that that's how I hope and, and plan to lead. Yeah. And you and I have worked on things in the past um, around women and girls. And I'm, I'm particularly, especially on this show, very interested in how, um, what, what the impact is on women's lives and well-being, looking at, you know, women and girls as sort of the foundation of holding the family together. And then with, with strong families, we have strong communities. Um, how do you plan to continue with that lens? And then, of course, if you overlay, you know, um, race and ethnicity and, and income and um, sexual orientation and all of those other things on top of those, those identities, it, it, it gets even more complex. Uh, but how, how do you plan to continue that work and bringing that specific perspective into your elected position. Yes, thank you. And I I love the work we've done to do together to really center women and girls and what that has meant both to um, the leadership in our state that now sees so many more women and girls, the leadership in our schools where, um, you know, and I, I was at some of the recent protests and I see these young, young women that um, were just really leading and keeping the peace often where um, I saw them, you know, really engaging and, and being so um, strong and in their power. And I think that's what it's about. And when we talk about um, when I say the words, those most impacted, then almost by, it's around every corner, right? If we look at healthcare disparities, if we look at behavioral healthcare disparities, if we look at the ways that education, you know, the pieces, the places where our education is impacted, you know, racial justice doesn't just happen in criminal justice reform. It happens in how we address um, healthcare. And it's the same for you know, sexism, racism, classism, that those folks that are um, most impacted by almost any situation are, you know, low-income women of color, 
Black and Indigenous women specifically, right? And so when, again, when I say those most impacted, we're looking at how do we bring in those voices of those most impacted? And that's on every lens, whether it's how we think about economic development and how we support and incentivize businesses, um, it, whether it's um, how we're making sure that the behavioral health care system in its new form and with the monies that it has now to move forward, how is it making sure to put priorities there that really look at those most impacted and bring Bring them into the policy conversation because um, that's where I feel our biggest blind spot has been. Um, there's lots of very well um, policies that are have great intentions that often that we can even look to other cities or states that or counties that they've done. Um, but if we're not specific to the needs of New Mexico and bringing in, you know, making sure young people's voices, young women's voices, young women of color's voices, young indigenous women's voices are included um, in those policymaking decisions, then we have huge blind spots. And so um, I will continue to make sure and that and definitely always carry that I, I just really do believe it is the time for women to be able to show their leadership when, um, you know, our women who in New Mexico have been in leadership for a really long time, um, but they've had to fight for that space. And thankfully to folks like you and others and our elected leader, women that have come before myself um, have really, you know, worked hard to, to find a space in that. I think they've created the greater opportunity for us to have to just, we don't have to fight so much just for the space, but now we can lead as women with a priority around the care and nurturing of our communities and meeting um, our communities. with. Well, just going further into that a little bit, what do you see your role as a commissioner in bringing those voices to the table? Will it be through organizations, like bringing the leaders of organizations, or would you bring individuals? Like, how do you actually operationalize that vision? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm both, right? I think we have lots of organizations um, that, including the organization I work for, but there's several across our state um, and particularly saturated in Bernalillo County um, that work directly with people on the ground. So if it's on immigrant rights, then I would definitely call on if we're making votes on immigrant rights or want to make sure we include um, immigrant families in our healthcare policy, then I would definitely be looking to the organizations that work year round in step with those communities. If we're talking about how, you know, I if we're rebuilding our business economy, I would definitely want to pull in women business associations and organizations that work directly with um, women and or directly on business. So yes, it's both working with organizations, but also finding those individuals. One of the things I started to do during my campaign was actually talk to some of the, and this is another place that you and I, Giovanna, have in common where, you know, we've looked to the, I actually went to the businesses that are on your family-friendly business policy um, and looked through them started trying to call and talk to some of them. I would love to have a biz business voices that are outside of just of our just our chamber of commerces. And um, so trying to connect with some of those businesses and, um, you know, say build relationships that are meaningful so that I can um, call on them when there's a policy and actually help them inform and give the um, view of what they feel as a, a true living and working and trying to run a business here in Albuquerque and Bernalillo county what their experience is um, or how they can give input on those policies so um yeah i, I definitely see as as um tapping into the organizations that work day-to-day -day with um communities impacted and individuals but also calling and building relationships with individuals 
um, that can um, that can be prepared to be a reliable source of information and um, be part of those processes, right? We can't just call on folks and be like, oh, we need 100 people tomorrow to talk about police reform when folks need context about what's happened, what is the history of our police departments, what is the current policies that are in place, what are the hopes and actual real possibilities, how do we um, prepare some of our community members to also have that information coming in. Okay. And to do. yeah. What about um, last question before we take a quick break? Uh, how do you see the, the real deep work that needs to happen around anti-racism happening? Like, how do you see sort of the nuts and bolts of like, what are some of the next steps, you know, to take? from your perspective. Yeah, um thank you. I you know, I think like I said it's in it's in every corner. It's not just in criminal justice reform. It's not just in how our police interact with community. It's in how we decide how we're going to offer um services, who we prioritize in um getting some incentives and including whether that's on like I keep saying all the ends, if it's business ends, if it's um access to healthcare, if it's tiny home villages and how we appro- um approach um the issue of people that are unsheltered right now. Um, So yeah, I think the approach is to make sure we're bringing that lens into every single one of those policy conversations. If we're talking about taxes, so so many times people single race into race and racial justice into this sort of side conversation or something that we need within every single policy. A lot of times we rely on one person you know, on a, on a, like, you're going to, you know, you're going to be like one voice on the commission yeah. to bring that lens. What support do you need or what allies do you have on the commission that will help you do that so that you're not a lone voice? Thank you. This is such an important conversation. I say all the time that I learned early on in this work that especially women can't approach this as alone, not only because um, you have to have a, boy, a base of support for anything, but also because it's so easy and we've seen it. I saw it happen and that's how I learned it is I saw women taking a stance and being the lone voice and they're so easily dismissed to be like, oh yeah, that one crazy woman or oh yeah, that one woman that's so radical, right? But when we come as a team, that is when we're able to not be taken down so easily. So I need a team. I believe, um, you know, that the county commission can be a team. Like I say, I feel like I'm good at working across differences. I believe that there's, you know, right now we have, if we're talking party politics, we have a four to one on the commission, four Democrats and one Republican. And I'm, I'm open to working. I'm open and I've always worked across party lines. So I think, yes, I need to have a team. I, I have been successful in doing some of this work in my career because of white allies of folks really um, being willing to step in and be either an aspiring or a true ally and and work towards being that team and um, sort of backing each other up. And um, I'm willing to take the bold steps and be a brave, bold voice. And I need our community to continue to be with me and um, support me and hold me accountable. I want all of that. And I'm, I'm and like you said, it, it takes a team. There's no way one person can do it alone. So I'm okay. definitely looking for my team. <laughs> okay, great. I'm speaking with Commissioner-elect Adrienne Barboa, also the Policy Director for New Mexico for Forward Together, and we'll be right back. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green, healthy lifestyle publication, and for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. 
You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups, coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share and grow. Don't get me wrong, this is hard work. But with these tools, you will easily find the time to do the course, get the coaching, and reach your goals monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role but second-guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high-achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, and insecurity. The result? You get to live your well woman life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com slash academy to learn more. I'm back on the Well Woman Show with Commissioner-Elect Adrienne Barboa, and we're going into this segment called Superpowers for Success. So this is a quick, like a lightning round of questions, and I'll ask you uh, these questions so that it, it helps listeners get to know you a little better and also learn from your life and your experience. And so the first question is, what does success in life mean for you? Across every challenge, I think being able to get back up, right? Like success means that you try something with your full heart, your full commitment into it. And sometimes it's not going to work or sometimes you will, like my boss says, fail forward. Um, But um, how we get back up, how we keep going, how we keep moving, um, that's what success is. Okay. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? As a young person, I, I noticed that that I had a an attitude of positivity that was attractive to, to folks. And so um, when I decided that I could use that for good, um, I would say probably, you know, in high school, I really made a turn um, because of some organization, group school, student organizations I was involved in to really commit that positive characteristic of myself towards um, making positive change for our communities and um, and feeling successful in that and, and in really being a voice where um a strong voice that not that wasn't always heard. Okay. And can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your well-being so that you can do everything you do? Yeah, I am so thankful. My director of the organization I work with for together um, developed a practice called Creatus Practice. And it includes elements of Tai Chi, um, but it's not um, yeah, it's a it's a mind-body practice that just helps me stay grounded. Um, and it's very accessible and simple and is the Helped and it, it helps keep me um, sort of grounded, my breath low, calm, and in, in some intense situations. So that's one of the practices I use all. Mm, okay. And then I also remember when you were with Young Women United, you had something called the forward stance. Yes, that is crazy. Practice forward stance. Those are the same um the, the same practices, courageous practices sort of in everything. Forward stance is that, like I said, it's based in Tai Chi. Um, it's a round of some movements that help um, both, you know, think about how we move and keep our, our breath low and are aware and includes rhythm and pace. Um, so those are the, the elements that I use and to keeping to keep me grounded and um, feeling really 
ready. I love it. Okay. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I would say calling on the phones um, and not being able to be at the doors. I I, I know I'm good at connecting with folks through the dupe in person, um, but being able to connect over technology and do phones and in COVID and during crazy times, um, I feel like that power to connect um, is it was very much realized um, in the calls and the connections I was still able to make, even though we weren't able to have large gatherings or be door to door. And is this something that you discovered later in life that was a kind of a superpower or did you sort of always know that you had that ability? I mean, I mentioned that since I was young, like in high school, even in middle school, I was like sort of the, the loud, what most people might, people might say the class clown or, you know, um, <laughs> um, but I, I definitely realized it as a superpower later in life in that it wasn't about being a class clown, right? It's actually being able to um, bring people in and have the, and have an opening where people can relate to and want to connect and share their stories, their experiences. And so um, I feel it developed into a superpower that I'm thankful to have. Okay. And what advice would you give your younger self, say 20 year old self? My goodness. You know, I think, like I said, I'm a, some folks say I'm an early adopter. So I hear something works and I want to jump on it and run it. I think there's some things that I've learned around pacing and, um, you know, where there's the thing that's been most evident through like the campaign the Respect ABQ Women campaign or the work I've done to protect access to abortion care for women. It's really been about um, that they're not depolarizing, you know, to depolarize any of our issues, right? Where um, we can't be all or nothing. We can't say this is, it's all or nothing, right? We have to be able to find those places in between and really um, find opening and entrances for all our folks to be able to relate and be involved. So I would say, Keep that opening, keep learning and building across all the differences to my young. Okay. And Adrienne, do you identify as a feminist? Yeah, you know, this is an, uh, yeah, I've been through the full range, right? I've been, I was a third wave feminist. I'm a woman of color, revolutionist. uh, um, You know, yes, I am. I am always in the world to center women, women of color. and, um, And I know the power of that. Yes. So I've been using the word feminist for so, so long, but, you know, increasingly I'm, I'm really trying to add intersectional. So intersectional feminists and and like, what does that mean? And is that something that you. Yeah. I mean, you know, like when I, like I said, when I first started Young Women United um, for my lifelong being a community worker, but it was really where there where I learned about like third wave, second wave feminism, third wave of feminism, women of color led feminism, um, you know, and, and that all of it's based in human rights framework, right? Um, sometimes the language of it all isn't even relatable to our the folks we're trying to make the change among. So right. I definitely, I'm thankful that my first entry point with Young Women United to it was around intersectional fe- feminism led by like Audre Lorde and Ross, you know, that that has always been the framework um, that I've entered feminism through. And I, I definitely um, appreciate the, the, like keeping pushing that, they're, they're, this is intersectional and then yeah. we have single issue lives. Okay, Adrian, last question for you. What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? You know, um, actually, they, um, 
I have two things on my um, nightstand because of uh, one is that I just have to sort of get myself, let myself escape sometimes. But Isabella Lendi's um, Paula, which is um, it's a bit of a it's about her daughter's death and life. Um, it's not exactly the escape from <laughs> reality, but it helps me um, just to have a sense. And then I've re-pulled out because of all this work. Um, it's called Invisible No More by um, by Angela J. Ritchie, who I got to work with on, around, um, you know, police violence and women of color and trans women of color um, and gender non-conforming folks around police violence. And, you know, she wrote this book out of a lot of work that Insight and other women of color-led reproductive justice organizations did and have done. Um, and so I've pulled it back out to re- um, to get my, my things on all that again. Awesome. Well, it's called Invisible No More by Andrea Ritchie. Andrea Ritchie. Okay. We'll link to that in the show notes. So listeners will be able to look at the books that you're reading. And um, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today, Commissioner-elect Adrian Barboa. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Giovanna. And I look forward to working with you and all of the women that listen to your show and are part people that um, engage in this show. Thank you so much. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.